to these amazing places. This is Adam and Doug here, and this is show number 51 for the week of April 13th, 2009. Hello, everybody, and here I am once again, and I'm going to shout out some contact inf- information as I've been doing each week. And uh, let me start off with the voicemail number. It is 641-715-3900, extension 53056. Give us a shout out. We'd like to play it on the show. Um, let's see here. You can also contact us uh, if you go to our website. You can contact us there through our contact page. You can contact us through email at podcast at theseamazingplaces.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, on Flickr. And I think that's pretty much it. As I've said before, if you go to theseamazingplaces.com, you can, uh, there are links on, in, within the website to, to each one of these uh, things that we're involved in. So come check us out. And this week, we decided to take a little bit of a different turn on things. Um, as far as uh, we we are covering Walt Disney World again, and basically we are really covering Disney in general, uh, but we are touching on the merchandise that is available within the parks, and more specifically, I have a book here that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to talk about a CD that I bought in the parks, and we're going to give you the number for that. We've mentioned it in the past. But in reality, um, we've got some audio to play from merchandise we've bought and different things. And we just wanted to touch on the different uh, things that merchandise is available in the Disney parks. So stick with us and we'll have a good show. Listener feedback. All right. Before we get on with the show, I just wanted to read a little email from... Bob, who communicates us quite often, he's also a DVC member, and uh, he wrote in about last week's show when we talked about uh, Disney, and this is what he said. Enjoyed this past week's podcast. I believe that I either read or heard that the living statues that you mentioned are no longer at Walt Disney World. I'm not 100% sure on that, since it was a while ago that I learned this. From what I gathered, they were typically in Epcot. And then he goes on to mention that he's counting down the days before him and his wife will be traveling to Disneyland this summer. So thanks a lot, Bob, for uh, writing in. It was great to hear from someone. And as always, you guys can always write us in. Uh, The best and easiest way to do that through email is go to our contact page on the website. All right, so this week's show, as I mentioned, um, I guess a roundabout way of saying before I begin is, yes, we are talking about specific merchandise in the park. We're not necessarily talking about all the merchandise in the park, but it's unique in Disney, in their Disney parks in that they don't always have merchandise available to the world. Uh, You have to go on site to get the merchandise. So before I begin, uh, if you have been to the parks, we've mentioned this before, and you wanted to get something that you didn't pick up while you were there and you won't be back for several years, you can call this number and they can ship it to you. And I believe shipping is like 10 bucks or something, depending on the weight. But the number is 407-363-6200. And then you're going to select option two. Uh, I got that phone number from uh, one of the World of Disney stores here close to us. And uh, the cast member that helped me out said, yeah, they're very helpful. And I've called it before I actually ordered an Imagineering book. And I believe we spoke about that before. Yeah, uh, a little if, bit. If you remember looking through it, a uh, pretty unique thing that's only available on site. Um, 
We're going to talk about something else I bought on site that is only available there. It's a CD. Uh, we'll, we'll play some clips from that, but that's a little later. Uh, the first point I want to get to, and the first item I want to get to, is we're specifically talking about a book today. And this book is called Be Our Guest, Perfecting the Art of Customer Service. And, of course, it's by Disney. And it's relating to uh, what they have called the Disney Institute. And if you're not familiar with the Disney Institute, it is basically a, I don't know, a consulting part of the Disney company that companies can come to, pay to go to. It's yeah, you like, go to seminars mm-hmm. that basically can teach you uh, management techniques and stuff. And there are a lot of these types of seminars. This just happens to be Disney's form of uh, of uh, seminar for their type, their specific type of management. Yes. And this book is basically about the creation of that and an overview of how Disney does their business, which I found very intriguing. Um, it goes all the way down from the customer to the cast member to the communication between the two and all, all in between. Um, so it, there is a website for the Disney Institute, DisneyInstitute.com. If you are a business owner and you want to check that out and you want to pay to go down to Disney, and why not? That'd be fun. I think, <laughs> I think it sounds interesting for those uh, looking... Look, I mean, anybody who's been into these parks or has been around Disney, it's what they do is incredible. How you can maintain parks and movies and entertainment and do all the things that they do, plus manage large, large, large amounts of employees and uh, uh, infrastructure and keep it all straight. Uh, if you can just get into a little bit of that insight, figure it out, uh, I think it probably can improve prove us all whether it be on your job or in your everyday life plus some of it's just interesting i mean it gives you a new introspective when you go into the parks or you even see what they're doing you know within tv or movies as to all the things that kind of go into how they do it how it's managed and how it all takes place so okay and this book is a li- has a list price of 1095 and even though i'm mentioning it now and we're talking about the park merchandise this book is also available on amazon barnes and noble any- anywhere you can buy books um pretty much um they did come out with the first edition around 2001 is the one i'm holding but they have come out with a newer one because this one that i'm holding uh was uh, Michael Eisner was the president and CEO. Then, obviously, Bob Iger is now the president. So it's a little bit. Plus a more. lot of things have happened. I mean, they've mm-hmm. uh, probably since that book was released acquired Pixar. I don't know if they had Pixar yet in two thousand one. Yeah, I don't think so. They, I right. think that's when they were developing the relationship, but it wasn't owned. Right. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of so. different things. I mean, they've actually taken on more than what they had probably even when that book. Oh was yeah. Written. Yeah. So their entertainment, I think, at this point, they're actually the largest entertainment division. Oh, world. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway. Okay. So, yeah, just as uh, something to think about. So, uh, what we want to do next is I want to go through several parts of the book just to kind of give you a feel and an example of it. Um, fairly awesome cost. I mean, 11 bucks for a great thing like this. 200 pages. Um, it's a it's an easy read. It's not very difficult. But throughout the book, I found intriguing that there were different examples throughout the park that they changed things. Um, to make the you know make the company better, make the park better, different stuff like that. So uh, as I do that, Doug doesn't know what I'm going to say. He's going to comment. Yeah, we've actually I, so. I've actually stayed back away from this because I do better at just kind of uh, uh, thinking on my feet and blabbing away when I actually just hear the topic. So so that's the way we're going to do it. So take it off. All take right. It with it, Adam. Okay. So the first subject I'm going to talk about here is the trash cans in the Magic Kingdom. And I'm just going to read the paragraph, and we'll go from there. Uh, Quoting from the book. 
The attention to detail at Walt Disney World is just as intense. You'll see it in the hotel room doors that have two peepholes, one at the usual height and one at a child's eye level. You'll see it also in the regular 27-foot intervals between trash cans. The park's designers figured out exactly how far an average person would carry a piece of trash before pitching it. Take a quick survey of those trash cans as you move from one one area of the Magic Kingdom to another. You'll notice that their design changes through... Their design changes to reflect each area's theme. Okay. So anyway, so and that's something small. Once again, I mean, something though that they've actually broken down and studied, and everybody always talks about how clean the parks are, and that could be a good reason why, because not only did they just hire a bunch of people and say clean, 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 but they actually worked it out scientifically to say, okay, how do we get somebody to not just throw their trash on the ground? And so that could have a lot to do with the reason why. That we, if you ever notice, too, the cans are always changed. It's not like you're walking through there oh. and you see overflowing cans. Yeah. But at the same time, then they've put them close enough together that there's always a can right there. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you know, whatever. I mean, let's face it, we're all lazy from time to time. And you don't say, ah, you know, it's a small wrapper. I'll just throw it here on the ground. Yeah. When there's always a can, seems like right there. So that's, yeah, it's well thought out. And I know that this isn't part of the book, but if you, uh, what is it? The special on the History Channel where they cover it, um, Disney World, and they talk about the trash compacting system and how it's underground and built in in Magic Kingdom. And I'm, I'm sure, sure now, too, that uh, they're probably huge into recycling. Oh. I know that they're trying to go into that total green effort now, which means there's no waste that comes out of the parks. Oh. I recently heard mm-hmm. that, and I know well, I'm going to veer off here go, way out, outside of the book, <laughs> but I know that in Utah they've been working with, uh, I'm trying to think here, it's a certain kind of power plant. And it runs off of, wow, this is horrible because I'm blanking completely. But it actually runs off of uh, natural-based energy. I think I, I want to say trash-based, but I, that's not it. It's something um, more fascinating than that. Oh, uh, okay. And so I'll think about it here well, probably anyway. and just blurt it out in the middle of it. Well, thing. I do want to comment, since they've opened Disney's Animal Kingdom, they've made an effort in that park specifically to always have recycling containers out. And when we were there last, they had them all over the place. And also, not to mention the fact that it is... The whole point of Animal Kingdom is to, you know, they don't want to hurt the animals. They don't want you leaving trash. They don't want the animals picking up that stuff to eat. And well, let's face it, though, too. Like I mean, if they take those techniques and spread them throughout their parks, you can employ, and I know this sounds bad, I guess, but, some, but you can employ a lot less people uh, to have to just clean up trash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can take those people and put them into other areas just with uh, making sure light bulbs are changed. There are, there are things that that happen within those parks that are always going to be labor-intensive ways of doing things. When you have light bulbs everywhere and those bulbs are on, they have to be changed. You're not going to get a robot or something to go through through the parks and change those bulbs. So you can make a longer-lasting bulb, but at some point when you have 50,000 bulbs in one park burning, you know, a lot of hours, those have to be changed. So you can take people and pull them from one position to where you can get uh, find other ways of doing that and put them into another position where they're mm-hmm. actually needed. And there's a word for that, efficiency. Right. And actually this book talks, that is one of their main con, like uh, parts of uh, the, running their business, efficiency. And, that's what, and of course they have the money to do it, so they're going to be as efficient as possible to save all those uh, time, money, and resources. So, okay, kind of jumping through subjects here, uh, here's a different one. Uh, here's a quick example, quoting from the book again here. 
Here's a quick example from Disney's history. John Hench, one of the original Disney Imagineers, the folks who designed and built all the theme parks, remembers watching Walt Disney finesse a setting. And quoting Walt Disney here. I was so astonished by the way... Oh, I'm sorry, not Walt Disney, John Hench. I was so astonished by the way Walt would create a kind of live-action cross-dissolve when passing from one area of Disneyland to another. He would even insist on changing the texture of the pavement at the threshold of each new land because he said... You can get information about a changing environment through the soles of your feet. End quote. So. And if I think about in, uh, uh, when we've talked about this, when we did some of the Animal Kingdom shows, how uh, in the concrete, they make the concrete look like it's a dirt road, even with tracks of tires and footprints and stuff like that, as if they were into a muddy, into a muddy road. Yeah. And so, yeah, and but they've done it in a way too. Uh, and I, with experience of this, of rolling my son's wheelchair through there, they did it in a way that it never affected his chair. So it wasn't like his front wheels got caught in ruts. But at the same time, everything was there. It's very subtle things. But if you look down, as in a lot of that park, there are very subtle little things going on uh, in detail everywhere. And hence the reason why on my next trip, why I want to go through it, we're going to get yeah. pictures and probably discuss a lot of that as we go through. Yeah. And I know we haven't played the audio, but I remember you standing in line before, that's way back our first show that we talked about the Kilimanjaro Safari, how you guys are standing in line and you're looking down at the dirt and you're like, that just looks like real dirt. I can't believe it. And we, you know, it's concrete because I know they put water That's, on yeah, it. Yeah. Where the, uh, where the actual the buses drive, yeah, mm-hmm. drive through the trucks, drive through. You're yeah. Right. And I'd forgotten that. Yeah. And I remember when we went, I hadn't been on it before. And then when we went, I looked at that and I was like, that's amazing. And even throughout that whole ride, it's got, yep. it's all built that way. So uh, obviously they don't want the buses in real mud cause then they're sinking and it's, and they're in a mess and you're yeah. washing them all the time. And so, yep. Okay. This next one is a quote from the book that has to do with the cast members. And, uh, well, let me just read it for you here. One example Disney facilitators like to use involves a common parking problem. Guests very often forget where they left their car eight or ten hours before at the start of a day, uh, start of a long day of fun. The lots are labeled, the rows are numbered, and the trams that shuttle guests to the entrance announce those location devices as a reminder. But it inevitably, and but inevitably, and regular cars are misplaced. Has anybody ever walked away from your car and said, Goofy 24, Goofy 24, yeah, Goofy 24? Always trying yeah, to 10 minutes after you're in the park, you're like, uh, 24, uh, <laughs> oh, crud. <laughs> okay. So, instead of leaving guests forlorn and wandering, members of the parking lot cast came up with a service patch. Since the parking lots are filed in order, the tram drivers started keeping a simple list of what row they were working at what time in the morning. The lists are copied and distributed to members of the parking cast at the end of the day, so if guests can remember about what time they arrived, a cast member can tell them approximately where they parked. Combustion point diffused. Okay, now wait. Let's go over that part again quickly. Who came up with this idea? That was the parking lot cast members. There you go. Yep. And once again, and this is going to jump back through some whatever uh, information, uh, who within the company now started off as a parking lot attendant? Uh, well... John Lasseter did. There we go. Bob Iger. And Bob did Bob Iger? Iger? Yeah. yeah. Iger and Lasseter the, the both. The two so, top there you go. guys in the company. There yeah. You go. Well, enough said, I think. But yeah, I was fascinated when you first told me about that and how they do that. And I thought, man, alive. That's mm-hmm. just, that's working it down to the finest detail. But at the same time, looking at the broad spectrum of the people that are coming into the parks and trying to, uh, in a way, make their day easier 
and less stressful without them ever really uh, realizing it. So I think that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, the next point, uh, the subtitle of this little section is called Courtesy, and it's involving the cast members again referring to the guests. Um, and I'm just skipping around here. Uh, quoting from the book, If you live in Orlando, Florida, all you have to do is ask for directions to figure out if someone works at Walt Disney World. If the person assisting you points using two or more fingers or an open hand, odds are high that they work at the mouse's house. That's because pointing, pointing with one finger is considered an impolite, considered impolite in some cultures. So one of the first things all new cast members are taught is how to point courteously. Yeah, they do it with two fingers. Yep. That's right. Yeah, okay. I remember hearing this from a, a cast member describing that before. Yep. And I think in some, yeah, in some countries it is. That's exactly right. Considered to be horribly impolite. So, yeah, and I've heard a lot of cast members even after they leave. They're no longer working at the parks. They still find themselves pointing yeah. to things with two fingers. So yeah. it's a good well, habit, I guess. I mean, I did also in the book, it's got statistics. And it said 25% of the people that visit Disney World, are they don't speak English as their primary language. So, I mean, that tells you right there where the culture of the different people that are coming. So obviously... One in every four persons you talk to, you better be pointing the right way. That's or you within might the be... American parks, too. Right. Well, that's within Disney World. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, that's specific. Incredible. So. That's incredible. Kinda, yeah, it kind of gives you a different feel there. Okay, the next point. Um, this one involves the Polynesian um, resort. And this is... It's the leftmost resort, I guess you could say, as you're facing the Magic Kingdom outside the Magic Kingdom. Um, and it's been around for a while. I think it was built earlier. But anyway, it had a longstanding um, reputation of not being the greatest uh, in customer service. Well, it's one of the, it was one of the first resorts that were opened. It and the Contemporary opened with the park. Mm -hmm. And actually, from what I've heard, the Contemporary was not ready when, oh, really? uh, on the first day the park opened okay. for press people. And so the Polynesian actually held everybody. I didn't know if it was the Polynesian or the Grand Floridian that was open at the... No, yeah, park. it was Polynesian okay. and Contemporary. Okay, so the Grand Floridian came later. But, but I remember hearing that, if, if you know anything about the Contemporary, uh, it's like drawers. It's like a chest of drawers, how it's built. And they slide the rooms into the yeah. sides of it. Yeah. And when they actually got the rooms there and began to try to slide things in, uh, they were, the specs were off and stuff wouldn't fit properly in. And so that, hence, the Polynesian actually ended up being the first to open a major resort mm -hmm. in the parks. Okay. All right, so quoting from the book once again. A guest staying at the resort would surely be surprised to learn that the Polynesian has not always enjoyed the stellar reputation it has today. In fact, in the not-too-distant past, an assignment to perform there was usually not greeted with much enthusiasm. The property was not scoring high marks in terms of guest satisfaction. What turned the Polynesian around? The cast and its successful effort to create and maintain its own unique performance culture. Under the leadership of general man manager Clyde Min, the cast of the Polynesian undertook the challenge by taking cues from the style and theme of the hotel itself to build a new performance culture. They studied the island cultures of the South Pacific and created new connections between traditional island values and the performance culture of the hotel. The result was a new level of service based on a ho-okapa, ho a word that describes Polynesian-style hospitality and the willingness to welcome and entertain guests with unconditional warmth and generosity. The cast of the hotel created its own mission statement. And then uh, quotations, uh, parentheses, Our family provides a unique hospitality experience by sharing the magic of Polynesia and a spirit of aloha with our guests and lifelong friends. 
end quote, end quote, end parentheses, and its own vision of the future. That vision called for a resort that would be a lush, tropical paradise known for creating magical lifetime memories. It also specified that the Polynesian would set a benchmark in its industry and be a place where guests and cast members would be willing to sign up on a waiting list for an opportunity to visit and work. And Clyde Min was a native Hawaiian, I believe. Oh. So he knew his stuff. That's me. pretty cool. It yeah. Makes sense. So, I mean, obviously I wasn't there back. I've, I've never stayed at the Polynesian. My sister stayed there in, uh, well, let's see, it would have been in the late 70s, which was when it was new. Uh, mid to late 70s and she also stayed there again I think in the 80s mid 80s and both times she loved it she said the place was incredible I think she also stayed at the Grand Floridian but for Polynesian for Polynesian sake yeah um, uh, yeah she loved it so huh. okay yeah sounds, sounds so, like a great place I yeah mean, once I, again it's like an immersion thing when you get yeah. there with the beach and they now I don't know if they still do this but they used to do a luau type thing out on the beach at night which was, I mean, you would think that you were in Hawaii all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's like a whole other attraction. They actually turn the resort into a tra- an attraction at that point. So uh, I think that's Definitely. cool. Yeah, for sure. Okay, this has to do with uh, the entrance to the Magic Kingdom, as you'll see here. Quoting from the book. One of many examples of this can be seen at the entrance to the Magic Kingdom. When you arrive at the main gate to the Magic Kingdom, you proffer your pass and enter the park through turnstiles. You are now in an outdoor lobby, which features phones and restrooms, and once past the lobby, you walk into one of two short tunnels leading into Main Street's town square. The tunnels are lined with posters advertising the attractions within. As you leave the tunnels, even first thing in the morning, you'll smell freshly made popcorn, which is made in carts placed near the tunnel openings. The experience of entering the park is designed to to remind guests of the experience of entering a movie theater. There is the ticketing and the turnstile, the lobby, the halls to the screening rooms lined with posters displaying the coming attractions, and even the popcorn. And that was Walt's immersion idea, Mm -hmm. that he actually wanted you to be the main attraction in the park. So it's like you're appearing in, in, in the movie. So that's, I thought that's pretty cool. I've heard that. Yeah, and I, I think Roy is the one who's introduced me to this book. It's actually his book that I'm borrowing, but uh, he he just said, yeah, it's kind of neat to see that. And I've heard that from other people too, um, that it's just unique. And so pay attention to that when you're in there next. I think it's, uh, it's well, quite I think a lot of these things, if you kind of, you will notice them. I'm hoping that when people now go into the parks, if they haven't heard these before, they'll kind of begin to notice you know, I, I like to say, too, when we do audio things, uh, audio sounds and stuff from the parks, that because this is how they've worked with me, but when you go into the parks now yourself after hearing the audio stuff, not even just the rides, but the walkthroughs and things like that, all of a sudden you hear those sounds coming back to you and they ring back in your head. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think now that just the excerpts that were taken out of the book will come back to mind for people when they go into the parks, Yeah, which I know already just by me sitting here, this is what they're going to do. I'm going to notice trash cans. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, it's funny how you say all that because now we're transitioning right into the five senses and they say appealing to all five senses. I'm not going to read all of them, but I want to talk about sound and smell. So here's the little paragraphs they're talking about sound. Sounds are caused by vibrations of infinitely varying pitch, quality, and loudness. In designing setting, the only vibrations guessed here should be good ones. If you have ever found yourself unable to banish from your mind the tune from a Disney attraction such as It's a Small World After All, you know the power of sound in setting. As John Hench says, people don't walk out of attractions whistling the architecture. (laughs) That's right. 
Yeah, that's perfect. Um, also, talking about sound systems, to get an idea of how sophisticated the sound systems that get at Walt Disney World, listen to the parades on Main Street. A single cast member working a mixing board controls the audio portion of the parades. Speakers on the floats are synchronized with 175 speakers along the parade route, so that no matter where you choose to view the parade, you are surrounded by an appropriate audio track. How does the soundtrack move in tandem with the parade? There are 33 sound zones along the parade route and sensors embedded in Main Street. As each float triggers a sensor, the soundtrack for that float moves along with it. So Cool. That's kind of a Well, you know, too, and I think sound-wise, and it wouldn't be in the outside of the park, but in a lot of the attractions, a lot of the rides, for instance, the Haunted Mansion and its latest refurb, the, the thing that used to happen in the mansion as you rode through, you would hear, obviously, you would hear a part that was in front of you, something being said to you from whatever one of the parts within the mansion well then when the next car would go by it you could hear it trigger and it was so loud it almost walked over whatever you were hearing now Mm -hmm. so your audio and their audio it was kind of a problem because it would walk over top of each other for maybe even the next two or three cars that came through right and they've actually corrected that problem quite a bit now i don't know how they've done it Uh but they've done it and you can hear it a lot of times in the audio and in our recording yeah uh when you actually pass through the ride it used to be before, if you listen to some other older recordings that people have made, uh, you'll hear it repeated and repeated and repeated right. as they, the sound walks over top. Now, all of a sudden, yeah, you don't hear that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so there's something new that they're doing with sound. Yeah. Okay, moving on to smell. There are about 5 million receptor cells in the human nose, and it's only a short trip from there to the brain. Smells are stored in our long-term memory. In fact, scientists have found that if you associate a list of words with smells, you will remember. You will better remember the words. At Walt Disney World, smells are used to help deliver magical memories. We've already mentioned the popcorn carts positioned at the entrance tunnels to the Magic Kingdom. Vendors don't sell much popcorn at 8.30 in the morning, but the corn is already popping. The smell of popcorn communicates the living movie message of the park. The bakery on Main Street purposely pumps the scent of fresh baked goods onto into the street to support the story of American small town. Right, and we've talked about that a little bit before. But it's, yeah, I remember you saying that. It's actually pumped up out. And so, oh, anyway, I don't need that to even help me be hungry. But <laughs> anyway, whatever. That's true. It helps, helps me to relax, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing good sounds and I'm, I'm smelling good food. So yeah, works. well, yeah, we, I think we talked specifically to the waffles. Towards the towards as you get closer to the ca- castle, you'll start to smell that waffle smell even stronger. And so you know too, I, I think that if you if anybody can do it, and I know it's hard when you're into the parks uh, with kids or whatever, but uh, if you slow down, it's amazing how even with the kids, uh, it helps them to be able to relax. And it's not just the slowing pace, but it gives more time for you to hear the music and the sounds as you're passing through each other uh, each area. And I've almost seen kids that we had in a tandem stroller begin to fall asleep just from kind of being, uh, I don't know, it's almost like being rocked to sleep by hearing hearing the music as we're passing mm. through yeah. and the steps of people's feet and things like that. So, yeah, I, if anybody can just do that, just slow down uh, once in a while and just kind of uh, take some quiet time, keep moving, and just listen to what's happening around you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, this one has to do with maintaining the setting, and it's talking about the maintenance, guys. Uh, maintenance is a significant expense in any large organiz- organization, and so should be designed into the setting whenever possible. When journalist Scott Kirstner visited backstage at the Magic-, Magic Kingdom, he was struck by the technology employed to maintain the la- landscape. And you'll really like this quote here. 
Based on inf- input from the weather station, MaxiCom's PC-based software determines how much water each of the property's 600 zones needs. Each has up to 10 individually watered beds. When a message comes in from the gardeners that a row of azaleas at Disney's MGM Studios is drying out, the, horticultur- the horticulturalist will increase the amount of water delivered there each night. When a torrential rainstorm passes over the property, the MaxiCom system adjusts by watering less. About 50 automated rain cans that measure by hundreds of an inch are scattered around the property and plugged into the network. Every morning at 1.25, we download the data to cluster control units situated around the property, says the horticultural manager, Scott Schultz. The CCUs manage the sprinkler timers, which govern 50,000 sprinkler heads between them. Schultz's crew also prowls the property daily in a van equipped with a laptop and cellular modem, troubleshooting the whole system. One of the most sophisticated large-scale irrigation setups anywhere. So I wonder if this is a wireless system now. I mean, there are, because I have experience in this, but there are a lot of wireless um, web-based irrigation systems now that will actually, uh, the electronics of the system will speak back to the valves, which then will speak back to, uh, to, uh, onto basically a site, what you're using on the internet. Yeah. So it's IP-based, and so you can go in and control and see all the information firsthand right there in front of you. Huh. Yeah, Yeah. that's real intriguing. Yeah, I just thought you'd find that interesting since you... It's kind of your line of work there. Well, so. especially now, uh, because uh, especially in Florida and California, they've suffered from, uh, well, in Florida, probably moderate droughts to severe droughts in California. And so maintaining, which I can keep going deeper into this, uh, that Disney maintains all of their own water supply. So even uh, I think that they can, uh, they can set it within four inches, even out onto the lakes. But getting your maximum amount of use out of your water supply is what they have to do. I mean, it's not only cost-efficient for them, for them now, but if you go to California where they're in a severe drought and they're starting to ration water, uh, that right there can be oh, uh, yeah. a saving measure yeah. for the parks. For and, sure. And it's not just because they're just now starting it. They've actually set up a routine yeah. to do this stuff years ago. Well, when they and built so, the park, pretty right. much. They and had so it to, pays off now. And incorporate all the pipes and stuff underneath. They right. couldn't tear it up in the middle of, yeah. you know, yeah, you can't do large renovations yeah. in a place like this. Yeah. Stuff, most of the stuff that gets done around there happens overnight, mm-hmm. and you're not going to go in and tear out huge irrigation systems in the middle of the night and have it done by opening the next morning. Yeah, and I realize they built Disneyland, and what mistakes they saw in Disneyland they fixed in Disney World. So they did have a little bit of uh, changes there, and I think as they built parks around the world, they've done that. But uh, it's at least interesting to think about. Man, back in '71, when they built it, they still, you know. Well, you know, it's the difference between, you know, flying out into space now, and how easily we can do some things, Mm -hmm. and how difficult it must have been in, you know, '69 when we're flying to the moon and using the computing power of a common calculator now. Right. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes the job easier, but we always tend to add more tasks into it, which makes the job more difficult. But they've actually used it to make down to even water supply efficient. That's what I like about them. Okay. They don't seem to miss a mark. Yeah. All right. I just have a couple more points. I'm going to summarize because I don't want to drag this out too long. But um, did you know that half of the boardwalk uh, is built st- with steel structure under it to uh, provide for a fire lane when fire trucks, if fire trucks need to come into the park? They built it purposely like that so that it would support the weight of trucks and so that people could drive on there. And uh, so that was kind of no, interesting. I didn't know that. But no. all of that whole point was 
obviously if they do have an emergency it's structured to do that because if you can't get a truck in there and you need it that's yeah. horrible so and then in in conglomeration with the fire um the re, the way that disney has done their built their whole park with fire loss and all this stuff they have only incurred since park opening in 1971 two hundred thousand dollars of fire loss now you think what the and just recently, within the past year, Universal Studios in California almost burned to the ground. Yeah. Because of not taking those kind of measures ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And they put things off until they, I mean, they burned most of the park to the ground. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't want to slam Universal. I'm sure they've well, got... Well, no, it is what happens. Uh, it's just, we all do but, it in our lives. Yeah. And that's the reason why we're kind of going through this book to show mm-hmm. how... Uh, and I'm sure Disney misses it in some places. They can. But it goes to show, though, just how far they have gone to try to hit hit the mark on each and everything. And you really, I mean, let's face it, uh, whether people like the management at Disney or the management through the years, they've really had to do a good job of listening to the people whose feet are on the ground moving through the parks every day. And it yep. goes to show, I mean, even with the parking lot attendants, down to the landscapers, down to the people that are out there, if they didn't listen to those people you would have the problems that you have in a lot of companies that we have around the world today that managers have no idea what's going on most days on their job. Mm-hmm. They just kind of cross their fingers, I think, and hope that, oh, good, hopefully we can get through this day, this week, this month without any major catastrophes. And that's, if you, I didn't even touch on that on this book, if you read through the book, you'll find a very large part of Disney's business model is conducting surveys to find out more things. Um, quick story, I was getting off uh, Space Mountain when we were there last in August, and I saw a guy with a clipboard asking a family some information, and lo and behold, now it's going to be getting ready to be going to refurb right now, and I am sure that he is using that survey to conduct uh, information so that they can better refurb Space Mountain to be better. On top of that, how and many... actually to get into it what the people want instead exactly. of just what exactly. some Imagineer or somebody thinks that it should be. And then they get this thing finished and find out, well, crud, you know, this person kind of missed it on a lot of areas. So, yeah, exactly. that's great. And I thoroughly enjoy, once I get on Disney's site, if you visit it enough times, sometimes a survey pops up. Or if you're calling the, lo- the line... Uh, to get your tickets or whatever, they'll say, okay, let's stay on the line for a survey. And I am more than willing to give my opinion on Disney stuff because I know they're listening to me. And I really think that um, that is, I think, a true business model. If you are uh, conducting business for customers, you want to know what the customers think and you want to change it to better make your business better. And I think that that's why they've started Disney Institute to kind of help businesses across the board that want to come in and learn more. And I can think of so many businesses well, the that can learn too, from this. Is that they take that information quickly and, and turn it over into a project. In other words, they didn't start doing uh, surveys on Space Mountain uh, 10 years ago right. and just now get around to refurbing it. They're actually out there and hitting the beat and talking to people just months before they get ready to shut down and do a refurb. Yep. And so you're getting fresh information and you're acting on it almost immediately. Yep. Okay. Okay, so that's the end of the talk about the book. Uh, it's called Be Our Guest, Perfecting the Art of Customer Service, 1095. Go and there check are it copies, out. there copies of this on Amazon, anywhere from yep. two and three bucks up. Uh, so. Used copies are, too, yeah. yeah so. Right, so go on there and check it out. Okay, great. So this next uh, little thing is just talking about, you know, I want to play some audio from this CD. It's a great CD, uh, really young and old. Little, it's got 
kids songs that are geared towards the Magic Kingdom and stuff. It's even got some amazing orchestral composed music that's the instrumental that you find when you first walk into Epcot and stuff. So, so this is the stuff that you'll hear when you're in the parks. Yeah. Okay. And the CD, let's yeah, let's talk about the CD. It's called Four Parks, One World. It, I think the list price is either twenty four ninety five or twenty nine ninety five. So it is thirty bucks. It's a two. Once again, c- you can't find this too on Amazon. Oh yes, you book, can't so. find it. It's only available in the parks. Um, it's a two CD set, uh, so it's fairly large amount of um, music. Music, yes. Yeah, and it's not just music. I mean, well, it is music, but I mean, to me, it ends up being sounds. A lot of it. It's just stuff. A lot of it. It's funny. I could, I could recognize it, but I can tell you right off the bat where I'd heard it. Yeah. Which is fun. It's true. For me, it was. Um, so, kind of just going through the tracks here, we're going to play one from each park, but just before... Play sh- short clips from each one. Yeah. Um, yeah, because of copyright, we definitely do not want to, you know, be playing stuff that people aren't... should go buy the CD for, and so we're only going to play about a 10-second clip. But let me read up until we get to the first clip here. This is from the Magic Kingdom. Uh, the couple of the songs are called All Aboard, which is the train call at the beginning, Welcome Medley, which is park opening, Rope Drop, Magic Kingdom, Friend Like Me, Swiss Apoka, which is over at uh, Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, and then here's a clip we're going to play. It's called Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, and you can guess where that's yeah. from. <laughs> so take a listen to this. Yo-ho, 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 a pirate's life for me. We kindle and char and flame and so that's kind of fun, and uh, that's not the updated version. That's the original. So the Johnny yeah, Depp. I think the only thing you'll ever hear is Johnny Depp within the attraction. Right. Uh, but I hope they never change the original music. Oh, I don't think they will. Yeah, because at some point, uh, Johnny Depp and that will fade to the background. Uh, his character, mm-hmm. Jack Sparrow, it'll still be in the attraction. I do believe that, but I think it'll still fade to the background, and we'll get where we were before the movies came along. Yeah. To where people just enjoyed the attraction. Yeah. Um, okay. And then continuing through the Magic Kingdom, they've got other songs. All Aboard the Mine Train from the, uh, what is it, Big Thunder Mountain Big Thunder Railroad. Mountain Railroad. Bear, Bear Band Serenade. Uh, Bear Country Jamboree. Mm-hmm. Splash Mountain Medley. Splash Mountain. Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion. Uh, it's a Small World, <laughs> if you want that song stuck in your Oof. head. <laughs> uh, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Solo Pilot Blues. And there's a great big beautiful tomorrow and galactic anthem, which is from Stitch's Great Escape. And those are all the songs from Magic Kingdom. Okay, so uh, you know I was gonna play Soren. I think I'd rather play the uh, either Energy Adventure Medley. What do you want me to play? Well, you know what? Doug, here, let me just throw this in. Let's see here, because I was gonna say because we have, well, we have both, and we play the shows, and so people can hear a yeah. lot of the music right in there. Um, let's see here. You know what? Let's play Soren. Okay. Yeah, let's that's play Soren. That's, that's gorgeous music. All so. right. Let me talk through the other ones. Uh, there's one called Legacy, which is a beautifully composed orchestral piece that you hear right off the bat when you walk in the parks. Spaceship Earth, which is about an 11-minute song of Spaceship Earth music. Uh, Energy Adventure Medley, which is very awesome, too. Uh, Destiny uh, Test Track Medley, which is just kind of like uh, the test track cue stuff you hear uh, <laughs> the music that drove me out of yeah. my mind i think doug did not like of, well, that stuff it was hot and i was tired so that probably didn't mm-hmm. help uh the seas with nemo and friends uh which is a ride in epcot and then here is a clip from soren directly from the cd 
Okay, that's that's some great audio. It just reminds me of the ride. Yeah. Good good ride. Well, I'd like to say it reminds me of the ride, but I haven't been on it yet. So <laughs> that's true. Soon. Once you hear uh, but once you, you know, ride but it, you'll I've think heard it's our incredible. audio. Yeah. And I've listened to it a thousand times mm-hmm. over. So Okay. Uh the next one's called One Little Spark from uh it's the uh, it's a figment, right? Figment, yeah. yeah. Journey into the imagination. Mm-hmm. Honey, I shrunk the audience from the queue and different things there. Canada, Impressions de France, Golden Green, Golden Dream, excuse me. R- you know what? To stop for a second. Impressions de France. Let's throw this in there because I never knew it. That the music that's in Ocean's Eleven when they're standing and looking yeah. at the fountain it's, is some of the music that's played. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, now I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, yeah. So that's where I first recognized it from when I heard it. So. Yep. Reflections of China Suite, um, the three Caballeros, and then we jump into over to Hollywood Studios. Hooray for Hollywood, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, Star Tours, Playhouse Disney theme, Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, and then we'll play this clip from Lights, Motors, Actions, Stunt Show. Okay, and then we have Beauty and the Bees, which is a, kind of a funny little Beauty and the Beast song from the bees in the, the Animal Kingdom area. Um, and then It's Tough to Be a Bug, which we'll play right now. We're pollinators! We're pollinators! Yep, like vegetables. Fresh fruit and flowers. Get next to us, for our marvelous and the last one, <laughs> go ahead, Doug. He's, he was commenting okay, in between uh, here. Yeah, it's from, uh, well, it's called Dinosaur Now. CTX theme is what yeah. Adam called it, and it kind of set off a light in my head. That's the last track on the on the CD. So Yeah, it used to be called CTX, now called Dinosaur within Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. CTX stood for? Countdown to Extinction. So. Right, and so they changed it to Dinosaur when they released the movie. I just but, heard this recently. So, so anyway, that's, a, in reality, two discs. It's a lot of music. Some Several of those songs are like 11 minutes long and uh some some of them are shorter like two and three minutes but uh anyway something very fun to check out uh there also uh is uh cds available of the nighttime uh, fireworks and stuff like if you're into the wishes stuff i think there's a cd for wishes if you're into the uh spectra magic parade there's spectra magic there's illuminations the song with yeah. illuminations this is amazing it's the real music and the real deal and then uh Fantasmic, even I'm sure there is there, uh, oh, and definitely. there's tons of those kinds, and they're only available in the parks. All right, so that was a pretty fun. I thought fun and intriguing. It's interesting. It's yeah. So that's what, and that's what we tried to put together mm-hmm. uh, with this show is something that, I guess, something to spark your mind a little bit and your, the connection between your mind and your ears, kind of when you go into the park. So give you a little bit of that with the sounds that we just played we give you some with the uh, stories about the trash cans and different things so when you walk through the park you notice some of those and uh if you know anybody that's a disney fan that's not listening to our show uh definitely tell them about all our stuff we've listened we've uh played this last yeah because even though we do say that we're you know we're travel podcast um we do have other places in there uh, we do do obviously as everybody knows we do a lot of disney and the reason why is because there are there are a lot of things to hit within Disney, and so we try to make sure that if someone does go there, we try to give you as much uh, information, not just information, but as many uh, what is it, auditory 
kind of sparks mm -hmm. and things that you can use before you ever go into the parks. And you spoke to me about this. You said the problem was you've listened to so many Disney podcasts before you went and you didn't know half the information we used to talk about on the show. Right. It, to help you in the park. Yeah, they talk about the back scene stuff or whatever. Now, honestly, yeah, I've listened to hundreds. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you the example that I threw out to Adam. And I may have said this on the show. I can't remember. You probably this have, but. But uh, I had listened to hundreds of hours of Disney podcasts and did not know. Uh, when I until I had to research it myself that there was a water ferry that goes from the Magic Kingdom to Fort Wilderness Campground yeah. that would get me then from there I could go to um, uh, Trails End uh -huh. and I had it took me some time actually even online to research it to make sure that yes I could do that and I'm thinking after all those hours of listening to these podcasts I should have known this yep. so so anyway that was just that was one part of you know that kind of spurred us on to making sure that we covered every piece of this and uh, and that's why we always ask too that if, if there is something that you can think of that we've missed that you added in it's all kind of you know we throw it into the bowl and stir it up so that everybody gets the, the most out of each one of these podcasts okay we've got a lot of new stuff coming up we're not going to be covering disney for quite some time basically until doug goes We'll we'll get well, back into month. Disney, which <laughs> is well, half, I guess yeah. it's not quite some time, yeah. a month. So. so we've got a lot of things planned uh, up and coming. We also have a couple of different changes. We're going to be introducing some music of somebody that I met, and uh, he offered to just give us his music to play in the background. Uh, we've got some more. This may come a little while, but we got a graphic designer that we're hiring and working with, and uh, we'll be talking about her online just because. Hey, this is a podcast. It's free. We don't charge anything. We don't make any money off this. So in reality, the people that work with us is how we uh, get their name out by just saying, hey, you know, we've worked with them. We give you their experience. Just like if we go to a restaurant and say, hey, that stuff was awesome. Go check it out. It's the same reason uh, when we work with other people from the business perspective. I don't think we've said it in a long time, but if anybody has any place that you go to that you think is interesting that you want to share with other people, whether it's a restaurant or a, well, I don't care, even if it's a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. If it's something that stands apart and you want people to know about it, please, please, please contact us and tell us. And I would say the same thing goes for if you're a composer of music, if you, anything that you do that would work with our show, if you want to put in comments, you want to send pictures, you want to send a video, just contact us. We'll be more than willing to talk to you about that kind of stuff, put it on the show and uh, say, hey. Why not? That's what the show's about. And let's, let's, let me throw into real quick, it just came to mind. If you have a restaurant or if you have a business startup and you're looking for a shout-out, let us know. Get a hold of us and we'll, we'll give you a, a shout-out maybe. And so some people well, in your area, if they hear, they may know, they'll find out then maybe, uh, about you through us. And the only reason, too, to do that would be we'd go to your restaurant and check it out to, because, because we do like because we like food. And, and the point would be to give a review about it and say, hey, right. this stuff is great. So, Okay. All right. On that note, I hope you're enjoying the, the uh, wonderful spring weather. If it's nice where you're at, if not, well, well it'll, it'll get there eventually. Spring's in the so, air anyway. So. You know, I completely forgot about the people listening in Australia or whatever. Yeah. They're yeah. not headed into spring. Let's but see, anyway. They're heading into winter now, right? Yeah. Well, okay. there'll be fall there for them. So. Right. But well, anyway, let us know that. Yeah. So. Okay, everybody. Well, it's uh, been nice chatting with you, and hopefully you've enjoyed the show this week, and we'll be back with you again next week. Okay, thanks. See you later.
This podcast has been brought to you by theseamazingplaces.com. All rights reserved. This podcast may not be rebroadcast, edited, tweaked, stolen, pitch shifted, published, rewritten, redistributed, or otherwise changed for any reason without prior consent from theseamazingplaces.com. Unless, of course, you don't have an iPod to take with you and you need to burn a CD. After all, These Amazing Places is a 100% nonprofit podcast for anyone who wants to listen. Copyright 2008, 2009, and beyond. So the Magic Kingdom. When you arrive at the main gate to the Magic Kingdom, you prefer your you proffer your pass and enter the park through turnstiles. I don't know what that word is. Proffer. P-R-O-F-F-E-R. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'll edit this part out.